Hey guys, um, <laughs> I, I gotta be honest with you, I've told a couple of people already, I am feeling like uh, a regular Sunday morning, so that's good. Uh, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I have a very uh, harsh crowd around me, my children could start throwing things at me at any moment, so you can pray for me. If you see something come down the stairs, let me know. There's nobody else in the house, so they shouldn't be coming down the stairs. Um, thank you for putting what you're thankful for, uh, on the comments already. I thank God for, and, and, and Chuck talking about God's mercies. We have seen that in Chuck's life and we celebrate that with Chuck and Terry, Janine, and a number of you talking about our church family, the, the a freedom to worship the health within our church family. Um, Randy Gallagher kind of stole the lead when he said, Jesus, that absolutely, that's exactly where we're at. Uh, Miranda has been talking about how we, um, in this time of trial, are pointed to God, and, and we thank God for that. We thank God for His Word. We thank God for the ability to understand it. We're so thankful for God's love and forgiveness, Darcy said. And then, I think I like Gene's comment just recently here, his three quarantine buddies. Um, I'm guessing that he's counting his wife along with him. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all good. Um, that's all right, Gene. We love you. We'll, we'll, we'll pay for his counseling later. Um, so um, uh, we Matthew 6. Go to Matthew 6. Sorry, I'm a little dis disheveled. Oh, let me say this too. We've had a little bit of problem with the, the feed dropping out here and there off and on, um, partly because I'm overloading the computer I'm using by doing this live. So just bear with us. It pops back up. It just might lag a little bit. Uh, but wanted to do something a little different so I can interact with those uh, uh, things that you're thankful for. Keep bringing those throughout the rest of the time together, okay? Matthew 6, while you're turning there, let me celebrate a couple of things. I want to brag just a little bit on you guys. Um, our church has been in a reach-out plan from the very beginning of this, almost eight weeks now. Um, that reach-out plan started with pastors and elders, went to the staff, then to the missions team, and then to our kids' ministry team, the youth ministry. Uh, membership is now in on it. I mean, it just keeps rolling. So now, at this point, between members, regular attenders, youth group, kids' ministry, medical professionals, widows, widowers, single folks, global partners, and now this week, starting on reaching out to our teachers, we have reached out and connected with or attempted to connect with more more than 1,300 people. Um, now, some of those 1,300 haven't gotten the message yet or haven't returned the message yet, but that's okay. Uh, they see a strange number come up. They think somebody's trying to sell them something. That's not what we're doing. We just want to encourage you, check in, say hi, and let you know we're praying for you and ask how we can be specifically praying. So as you see some of the... Um, I just got a signal from my wife. It wasn't very clear. <laughs> Okay, she's either booing me or telling me to turn it down just a smidge. So I'm turning it down just a smidge. <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you, we're live. It's as good as it gets. It's almost like being in the building like this, isn't it? Um, so, um, yeah, we're not trying to sell you anything with the phone calls. We just want to check in on you. And I mentioned medical professionals. Something else that you guys have done is provided what we need for the goodie bags or baskets that went to a number of our hospitals. Um, so we went to Carroll Hospital, Sinai, Hopkins, Gettysburg, some urgent care facilities, a number of others. I'm not reading that one, so I'm probably missing some. And then get this, all of a sudden in the last few weeks, we have a food pantry. And that's because of the generosity of you and a whole mess of other people. And I'm going to read this list so I don't mess it up. Boggers, local homestead products, Performance Food Group, Lehigh Cement, Papa Joe's Mexican Restaurant, Arbaz, The Flowing Springs Farm, Originals Pizza, uh, Cold Spring Farms, 
the farms of Sam Lease, Furnace Hills Coffee, because of the generosity of many of those community members and the generosity of you, our church, as we've seen the need increase for the food pantry, we've seen that need get met. So let me share this with you. My daughter and I were talking about this over breakfast. It's kind of mind-blowing. We're averaging over 100 families a week being um, served by the food pantry. And when I say being served, each family is getting, on a conservative side, 50 pounds of groceries, produce, milk, meat. So what that means is weekly, we are serving and distributing more than two tons of food to the people who, need it much, who are in need of it every week. Two tons of food, which is amazing. Be encouraged. You are making a difference in the lives of people who need that difference. So let's continue to pray for opportunities to share Jesus as we, we seek to meet those needs. And man, let me tell you, I am proud of you. I want to brag on you, but I need to preach. Um, we have a kids ministry that starts at 10. And if I'm not done by then, the kids aren't going to like me. And that's my key demographic. So I don't want to mess with them. Uh, one more thing, phone number, phone number. So if you're a guest with us, I'm glad you're here. This is, this is as polished as we get, so it's kind of pathetic, but that's okay. That's who we are. Uh, we would love to get to know you. We would love to be able to introduce ourselves to you and, and just kind of um, tell you who we are and what it is that God's called us to here in our community. So um, if you're a guest with us, we'd love to have you text a message that has the word welcome in it to 410-213-3669, 410 All right, onward, Matthew 6, again. If you haven't found Matthew by now, it's your freebie. You get to sit and listen. That's okay. Um, last week, we looked at Matthew 6, talking about where our treasure is. Um, we kind of landed on what I think Jesus lands on, which says your treasure must be God. It can't be anything else. It can't be God plus something. It must be him. So seek him first. That's, that's, that's the whole concept. If you don't, then you're torn up with worry. So what is worry? Well, I'm glad you asked. Worry is the fear of facing the consequences of not receiving something you intensely desire. The fear of facing the consequences of not receiving something you intensely desire. It's, it's looking up the road and seeing a turn up ahead and assuming that there's a problem waiting for you on the other side of that turn. And what Jesus has said in Matthew 6, and we looked at it last week, is stop. As you worry, look, look around you, look at the birds, look at the flowers. They're, they're not you, they're temporary. And God has imprinted his eternal image on you. And he has valued you in an eternal way, so much so that he would willingly show up and take upon himself all the weaknesses of his created ones so that he could bear their sin debt. And any who would repent and believe in him and turn to him as savior would be rescued for eternity. Remember, that's John 3, 16. God loved the world so very much, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. So as you look at these temporal flowers that are here one minute and gone the next, remember Jesus's point. There's no reason for worry. He has created you, he has loved you, and he has provided a way of eternal redemption for you. He knows what you need even better than you do. And he can and will give you what you actually need. And tomorrow, and don't worry about tomorrow, he's already there. He's already there, so there's no need to worry. Now, this last week, I intentionally, I guess, skipped it. I mean, I, I saw it, and it, it made me uncomfortable, and I wanted to spend some time digging in. So that's the fruit. This week is the fruit of that. He makes a statement in verse 30 of Matthew chapter 6. He, the people he is speaking to, he says, You of little faith. So, so it's almost like Jesus is calling them out. 
No, you, you little faith ones. So, so when Jesus calls you out, it's not like when somebody else calls you out and you, you, know, you, you weigh what is important and you evaluate it and you throw away the stuff that's really um, not, not accurate. No, no. When Jesus calls you out, it's always accurate. So you can't toss anything. So when I read that last week, it, it kind of pushed me in the direction of this week where I went through the book of Matthew and saw where um, Jesus um, calls us or calls others, oh, you of little faith. So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to look at three passages, if time allows. I think it might. We'll see what happens. Not like I'm not talking fast enough. Um, Matthew chapter 8 is the next one um, that he speaks about. Matthew chapter 8, just to lay some context down for you. Matthew um, records how Jesus had just healed a man of leprosy. Okay, that is a a miraculous healing, a, a healing that is very public, although private in nature, right? Um, everybody would take notice of this man who once was uh, a leper, but no longer is. And then after that, a centurion comes to Jesus and says, my servant is at home and is paralyzed and is in great anguish. Um, he's in terrible agony. And Jesus asks the centurion, am I supposed to come to him? And the centurion's response is marked by such thick faith. He says, no, 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 no. I I'm over a number of people. I have authority just like you have authority. And all I need to do is say the word, and they respond. And you just speak the word, and it's taken care of. And Jesus is overwhelmed and impressed with his faith. And that centurion's servant is healed by Jesus without Jesus even going to the house. So, so you've got the, the leper being healed, the centurion's servant being healed without Jesus even going to the house. You've got then Jesus going into Simon Peter's home, and his mother-in-law is there who is sick with a fever, and Jesus heals her. Then they bring the demon-possessed, and Jesus casts out the demons. Then they bring the other sick, and, and Jesus heals them. I mean, it's just, just healing after healing after healing after healing. And then the disciples get in a boat. Look at chapter 8 of Matthew, verse 23. It says this, As Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly, a violent storm arose on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us! We're going to die! And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? So then he got up and he rebuked the winds, the sea. There was great calm. The men were amazed and they asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. So, so they're in the boat. The waves are coming over the top of the boat. They know experienced sailors are beginning to fear for their lives. And, and they cry out to Jesus, we're about to die. And Jesus' response to them is, why are you afraid, you of little faith? And he rebukes the wind and the sea. And there was this huge calm. So, so what's the answer to that question? Why are you afraid? I mean, look, they, they had faith. They knew exactly who to call on in that moment. They knew exactly who could save them from peril in that storm. It's Jesus. Save us. We're going to die. But as Jesus pointed out, their faith was actually just little faith. Why? Why was that his evaluation of their faith? Because they were focused on the storm, forgetting what Jesus had already done. Healings 
casting out demons, teaching with authority, with everything that Jesus did up to that moment. He demonstrated the power and strength and ability over all things. And yet in the storm, all they could think of was the storm. Don't forget to remember, you've got God in your boat. So, so as you take time to remember the power of God, how would you fill in the blank? I thank God for what? Matthew chapter 14 is the next instance of the little faith. In Matthew chapter 14, I'll start reading in verse 23. It says this, after dismissing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. So the disciples are out on this boat. The winds have come up. They're battering the boat. And the guys aren't necessarily in danger. They're just exhausted. <laughs> they have been rowing and rowing and rowing. But because the boat is heading into the wind, they're not making any progress. Verse 25. Jesus came toward the disciples walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So here Jesus is walking on the water to them, and they look out and they see this, this figure coming towards them, and they begin to freak out, which I get completely. And they say, it's a ghost. And, and for a sailor, that's a terror. Actually, for anybody, I guess, that's a terrifying thing to see. You, nobody wants to see a ghost. But for a sailor back in that day, the, the common thought, the common uh, teaching was that uh, just before a sailor drowned, he would see a ghost, which I'm not sure how you would verify that. Um, but that's, that was the common thinking of the day. So now you have experienced sailors who are just rowing, rowing, rowing. They're exhausted. They look up. Here comes a ghost. And in their mind, they're terrified. And, and probably a few of them are thinking, maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe this is the end. Look at verse 27. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. And he said, have courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. So, so Jesus is walking on the water, and he identifies himself to his disciples throughout, uh, throughout all of history for, for many, many years. Many, many commentators, many, many theologians, many, many people have struggled with this moment. And, and I'll be honest with you, they should. They should struggle with this moment. People don't walk on water. God does. Job says that in chapter 9, verse 8 of his writing. He says, God treads on the waves of the sea. Look at, look at verse 28. Good old Peter. Lord, if, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come out, come out, come. Let me try that again. Command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. I, I, I love Peter. Uh, I think I identify a little too well with Peter. Peter is most certainly going to find me in heaven and give me at least a noogie. Uh, if not just punch me straight in the face. Uh, I think Peter is, is a picture of failure that we all need to grasp onto. Here is this guy. First, he's terrified he's seeing a ghost. Now it's, hey, hey, I want some of this. Let me come to you, Jesus. And now, and so, so Jesus says, come on. Now, now think about how Peter must have got out of that boat. 
I mean, he's a sailor. He knows to be careful in the water. He knows to be careful in the storm. And so here comes Peter's just kind of gently, carefully trying to get over the edge of the boat. I mean, I don't think he like did the whole jump out of the boat and land on the water. Uh, I think it was that slow and careful and steady walking towards Jesus. And I think probably, particularly because it's Peter, it went from amazement to a little bit of arrogance from, I can't believe this is happening, to look at me, look at all I'm able to do. I am walking on the water towards Jesus until, verse 30, he saw the strength of the wind. And he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! See, Peter was doing just fine walking towards Jesus on top of the water until he started looking at the wind. What's crazy is the wind had been there the whole time. But suddenly he's paying more attention to the wind than to Jesus. And he starts to sink. And again, we see that Peter has faith. He cries out, save me. He knows that Jesus is the only one who can save him from drowning. And Jesus does just that. Look at verse 31. <coughs> Sorry, Audrey, didn't mean to just cough on you. <laughs> uh, we're live. So verse 31. <laughs> Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And they get into the boat, the wind ceases, then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus' response to Peter is, You of little faith. You, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So what's the answer? Why did you doubt? Because he was so focused on the strength of the wind that he forgot that Jesus is with him. And, and, and may I make a judgment? This is super little faith. He forgot that, that just, what, 30 seconds ago, he stepped over the edge of a boat in the middle of the sea and didn't sink. I mean, that's, that's 30 seconds ago that, that Jesus performed this wonderful miracle for him and, and allowed him to walk on top of the water towards him, even, even with the nearness of the one who was responsible for him being sustained on top of the water. Jesus himself, standing right in front of him, his faith evaporated when he started looking at the wind. I mean, don't forget to remember, God who treads on the waves of the sea is standing in front of you. He is right there. So as you take time to remember that God himself is present with you, how would you fill in that blank? I thank God for what? What Our, our last one for, times, uh, for, for time reasons, uh, Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> uh, Jesus, uh, let me set the context again. Jesus had just finished, so let me, this is actually... Uh, I do like this story. Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000, and we're familiar with that story. The 5,000 men, that doesn't count women and children, okay? He feeds 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish. And so when he does that, remember, the disciples help him distribute that. So when, when they bring the five loaves and two fish to Jesus, he, he prays, he breaks the bread, he, he, he separates the fish, and he hands it to his disciples to go hand out to the crowds. And I think that's intentional on Jesus' part. So the disciples go and hand it out. And you don't, I've always wondered what that was like. I mean, there's this massive crowd, and they're probably walking out with just a little food in their hand, like, ah, all right, maybe you should share this. You know, try to make do with this, okay? 
and they walk back to Jesus and Jesus hands them a little more. They're like, okay, so to the next person and they keep doing it. And after a little while, the disciples had to be crossing paths like, this is insane. Can you believe this? Where's it all coming from? It was five loaves. It was two fish. Now, 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 now get this. The entire crowd has eaten until they were full and Jesus sends the disciples out with baskets to collect the leftovers. And each of them comes back with a basket filled with leftovers. The, the leftovers were, were in their hands. Every disciple got to experience both the distribution of the elements of the, 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 the bread and the fish, but they also got to experience the incredible leftovers uh, because of Jesus' magnificent provision for those people. There's another event that happens, the feeding of the 4,000. Now, some people merge those together. There are some very different and obvious differences between the two. But Jesus feeds 4,000 men, plus women and children, and he does that with seven loaves and a few small fish. Uh, his approach is similar. He distributes it to the disciples who then, uh, the disciples who then go out and hand out the, the food to the people who are hungry. Everybody eats their fill. The disciples then pick up all of the leftovers. They come back with seven large baskets filled with leftovers. So the disciples have had their hands on this entire thing. So they've distributed, and then they've come back with the leftovers. Okay, so now, now the disciples and Jesus have just had an interaction with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and Jesus, they're leaving that interaction, and Jesus is trying to teach them, okay? but they seem to be distracted. Teachers, particularly teachers in our current situation, my heart goes out to you. There is nothing more frustrating than trying to teach, pouring your all out there to get past this incredible knowledge that you have been gifted with to other people and have them not pay attention. And so this is happening to Jesus. So just, just in case you're wondering, right on cue when I said that, one of my children yawned really loud. So I'm feeling the love. All right, we're good. That's, it's either that or an amen. So I'll take an amen at some point, but that's okay. So, so as Jesus is trying to instruct his disciples, as Jesus is trying to, to share with them a valuable lesson after interacting with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, his disciples are distracted by what? Look at verse 7 of Matthew 16. They're discussing among themselves, ah, we didn't bring any bread. You can almost hear Thomas whispering in an aggressive manner to Bartholomew. It was your turn to bring lunch. Why didn't you bring lunch? What are we going to do for lunch? I can't believe you. And Jesus, aware, and, uh, aware of what they're saying, overhears them, and he says this, verse 8, You of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you don't have bread? <laughs> don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about the bread? You of little faith, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about what you don't have? Don't you remember? Five loaves for 5,000, 12 baskets of leftovers. Seven loaves, 4,000, seven large baskets left over. What's the answer? Why don't you remember? Because they were focused on what they lacked, forgetting Jesus' demonstrated ability. Not just his claim to be able to do something, but they experienced his ability firsthand. I mean, don't forget to remember what he's already done for you. So as you take the time to remember how God has provided for you, how would you fill in that blank? I thank God for what? So, so why are you afraid? Why do you doubt? Why do you 
worry? Why are you focused on what you don't have? Why are you afraid? Because you don't remember that God is in the boat, so instead you focus on the storm. Why do you doubt? Because you don't remember the Son of God is standing on top of the water, so you are staring at the wind. Why are you worried about what you don't have? Because you don't remember that Jesus produced more than enough food for thousands of people with a little kid's lunch, so you worry about what you lack. Why worry? Why anxiety? Why doubt? Why do you expect bad? Why little faith? It's because your faith is directly tied to your memory of his great faithfulness. Your faith is directly tied to your memory of his great faithfulness. If you forget to remember all that he's done, all that he's doing, all that he promises to do, then you'll be guilty of having just a little faith. And here's the problem. We are champion forgetters. We, we need to be reminded so many times. We need to be reminded of what he's blessed us with. We need to be reminded of how he's cared for us. We need to be reminded of how he's carried us. We need to be reminded of how he is present because we are champion forgetters and our faith is directly tied to our memory of his great faithfulness. So friends, let's be reminded I mean, what, what else do we have to be thankful? I thank God for healthcare workers. And Terry Cook, you put in that, we thank God for you as you serve in that. Uh, many of you have talked about how you thank God for, for this time that you've had with your family, unlike any other. You thank God for um, the unending love of Jesus. Mike Clevenger, I thank God we are a loving church family wherever we are. And I, and I think, again, Mike has experienced that through our, your, your, as a church, your love and care for him. We thank God for, for the, the um, health that God has given to Charlie, Rachel, health, family, and church. We thank God for those things. And so many times we take those for granted because we are champion forgetters. We're thankful for the way God continues to provide for us, Shadel, and for saving my soul. Kim, we're thankful for friends and sunshine. There's so many more on here. So what I want to encourage you to do today is this. Not only think about it for yourself, I thank God for what, but, but scroll through the comments today and be reminded by, by the testimony of other people of what it is you have to be thankful for. I mean, we, we regularly need to be reminded of all of it. So, so as you feel the, the anxiety and the worry begin to, to mount, then let me tell you, just go on a walk, look at the birds, look at the, the flowers, be reminded how God, how God has cared for you, and then think through some of these things that your, your friends, your family, your church family have listed out for you to remind you of what you have to be thankful for. And, and, and if that doesn't work, let me, let me help you with this. Remember, God created everything you see with a breath. God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. He led them out of Egypt to the Red Sea and then parted the Red Sea to make a way for them to walk through. Along their journey, God gave them water from a rock. He gave them bread from heaven every morning. When they came face to face with their enemies, he tore down the walls of, of Jericho. He toppled giants. He shut the mouths of lions. Why be afraid? He fed thousands with a little kid's lunch. He gave the, the weak strength. He gave the sick health. 
He made the blind see, the, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the lame leap, and the dead live. Why doubt? He, he made a way through death for you and I by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will live with him forever and ever with no sickness, no death as his children, receiving an inheritance that we don't deserve but was given to us freely. What are we lacking as you worry today and slip into anxiety today? Remember this, God's resume is flawless and he loves you. May we not forget to remember. <sighs> Father, it's, uh, we have, we're supposed to have grateful hearts. I'm supposed to have a grateful heart. And yet I stand here in front of this camera and hundreds of people knowing full well that the first person who needs to fall on their face and repent is me. God, you have blessed me in ways that I can't even begin to enumerate. You have loved me and cared for me. God, you continue to provide for us, and so we are thankful and grateful. Lord, I ask every single one of us today would take some time to count the ways that you have cared for us, that we would celebrate the ways that you have cared for us, not the least of which is by giving us your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his good name I pray. Amen.